Did the New York Giants fail Daniel Jones or vice versa? Plus, just how much are the Giants missing Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas? And we have a few little-known stats of interest that you might find revealing. That's coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when purchasing a Jace case, which provides you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treats over 50 infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trainer. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day to everybody. Um, the New York Giants start their preparation this today, actually, Wednesday, for the Buffalo Bills, who they face on Sunday night. Ugh, another night game, right? But uh, we here on the Locked On Giants podcast, we're rolling right along as we bring you up to speed on all things New York Giants. So special thank you for making us your first listener today. Or if you watch on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Shout out to my everydayers, to my subtexters, to the newcomers, and everybody in between. Because you're appreciated and loved by yours truly. All right, we got a busy show today. So I'm going to talk about... um, a few topics here. The first topic I'm going to talk about is actually something I wrote over on Giants Country um, about the Giants having failed Daniel Jones, but I'm going to look at it from both angles here. All right. So, so that, because obviously, you know, in, in the article that I wrote, people did not see that I mentioned that Daniel Jones um, was completely blameless in the mess that is this giant season so far, but I'm going to look at both sides of the ball. And, you know, did the Giants fail or how the Giants failed Daniel and how Daniel failed the Giants? All right. Then we're going to talk about Saquon and Andrew Thomas. Those two guys. I mean, if there was anybody on this team that the Giants could ill afford to lose, it was those two guys. And having gone back and looked at some of the numbers and some of the changes of what the Giants have done, we'll talk about the impact those two guys absences means for this team. And then finally, I have some stats. I did some deep stat diving um, regarding uh, three things, actually two on offense, one on defense. And one of the offensive stats that I came up with actually is in follow-up to something that David Turner said on our Monday show. So I'm going to talk about that um, in the third segment. So again, thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Let's jump into it. All right. Did the Giants fail Daniel Jones or did Daniel Jones fail the Giants? Folks, it's a combination. But here's what I will say about the Giants having failed Daniel Jones. You're investing $40 million a year in your quarterback. And I understand, you know, they really didn't have a chance given where they were drafting, given the options out there. It was either pay Daniel Jones or, you know, take a chance on somebody um, from, from the street. All right. 
you invested $40 million in the sky. Now, I don't know if you can remember, but let me take you back to before the draft. Before the draft, I made a very strong point. I was banging the drum for the Giants to get a permanent center for Daniel Jones because they had kept they kept uh, going through this um, revolving door, if you will. And I said, look, you invested in this guy. Get him a center that he can grow old with. And they did. They brought him John Michael Schmitz, who unfortunately is injured right now, but they brought him a center. Okay, so that being said, he invests $40 million in the guy. And your offensive line, you basically let go to, to, to pieces, to chance. All right. Now, think back to some of the moves that the Giants made. We all know that they had to add to the run defense. We know that they had to add some speed to the offense. But did they really need to add 50 million slot receivers? Did they really need the extra defensive linemen um, that they added for the run defense? I mean, I know some of these moves you could say, oh, hindsight is twenty twenty. But see, here's what the Giants did with the offensive line. They drafted John Michael Schmitz, which, again, I had pounded the table for, for them getting a center. But basically, they took Joshua Azudu and Marcus McCathin, two guys who missed all or part or a large part of the rookie campaign. And they gambled on the, on the thought that maybe these guys would come along and they would be, you know, hit, able to hit the ground running. They gambled on Evan Neal taking a step forward. All of these gambles that they took didn't pan out. They really didn't pan out. So now, you know, you add to that the Andrew Thomas injury, which, you know, you could make a case that given Andrew Thomas's history that he was likely to get injured, but certainly, you know, who thought he would get injured pulling his hamstring, chasing down a blocked field goal that was returned for a touchdown in week one. And, and suddenly now your offensive line, you basically can make an argument that the last offensive line that this team put on the field consisted of all guards. And yes, I am including Evan Neal, who more and more does not look like an offensive tackle. All right now, I'm not ready to give up on Evan Neal as, as a tackle, but I'm not seeing a whole lot that makes me say, yeah, this guy's the future at right tackle. All right, so getting back to the point about Daniel Jones, you invest in your quarterback and yet you don't invest in the protection. How does that make sense? You know, I've made this comparison before. I'll make it again. When the Giants drafted Daniel Jones, it was kind of like bringing in a newborn baby. You know, you bring in a newborn baby you want to make sure you have your crib, your changing table, your toys, your playpen, your carriage, your high chair, all the you know, whatever you need for the baby. When the Giants brought in Daniel Jones, what did they have at the time in 2019? They had Saquon Barkley. Okay. All right. That's something. Did they have a solid offensive line? I didn't think they did. Did they have receivers for him? Not really. So can you honestly say that they set up an environment for Daniel Jones to succeed in? And oh, by the way, you throw in the head coaching changes, the offensive coordinator changes, the system changes. I mean, you know, 
Everything was stacked against him. And I think John Mara, the team owner, said it best. We did everything to screw this kid up. Now, you bring in Brian Dable and Mike Kafka, and you give Daniel a little bit of stability last year. And guess what? He didn't look that bad considering his receivers weren't that great. You can make the case that his offensive line was passable, although barely passable. Um, you know, it did have Andrew Thomas at least in there. And now you you come to modern day today. Andrew Thomas is missing. Um, the offensive line is just a mess. Five different combinations to start, you know, in each game. The play calling, you sit there and you scratch your head about the play calling. Saquon Barkley is missing. And I'm going to talk more about Thomas and Barkley in the next segment. And, you know, again, the offensive line failures. And you sit there, you know. I And I've, I've written about this at Giant Country as well, about how the Giants, you know, some of the coaching decisions they made, for example, deciding within 10, you know, 10 days before the start of the season that, oh, hey, let's try Joshua Zudu at tackle. You know, I mean, I get it. The kid played it in college, but hey, let's try him at tackle, see how he works. Or, you know, hey, uh, all of a sudden we realized that Mark Lewinsky is in the future. So, hey, let's get uh, Marcus McCathin, who just came off a pop, ready to go. Just the whole handling of that offensive line this summer, really a huge head scratcher. And you know what? That is the biggest factor, in my opinion, as to why this offense is struggling. Now, that said, I am not dismissing Daniel Jones's role in it, right? I had optimism. I was optimistic about Daniel Jones coming in. I figure, okay, he looked good last year. They can win with him. He should be better in year two. He has regressed, ladies and gentlemen. I see it. Yes, I do see it. All right. He is making rookie mistakes. His internal clock is messed up because of that the pressure that he's getting. You know, he's being knocked around like a pinball, right? He's missing open receivers. He's a one-read quarterback. And, you know, now that you don't have Saquon Barkley in the lineup, even his legs are not as much of a factor, which I'll discuss again in the next segment. You know, Daniel's making, you know, hurried throws because, you know, he feels that the pressure that, you know, that he has to put the team on his shoulders and lead them and so forth. And at times he, he's reckless. So, yes, he has a, a, a big part in this. Nobody's denying otherwise okay the question though we need to ask ourselves it's a classic chicken or the egg which came first is daniel jones just not very good and maybe you know last year was a was an exception is the offensive line so bad that it's dragging daniel jones down where does the truth lie all right I'm going to sit here, and I know a lot of you out there are going to say, ah, Daniel Jones is trash. A lot of you are going to say the offensive line is trash. And you know what? You you can make a case for both arguments. But right now, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. You know, I think you can't say it's all on the offensive line. It's all on Daniel Jones. It's all on the coaching. It's all on, on the water boy or whatever. You can't say it's all on one person. But what you can say 
is that this offense's performance through five games has just flat out been offensive and surprisingly offensive at that. So whoever failed who, and there's enough failure to go around, ladies and gentlemen, there's not, you know, that, that much is obvious. There is enough failure to go around, but this coaching staff, you know, I haven't given up on them. I think Brian Dable will figure out a way to steady the ship. I don't know necessarily that this team is going to reach the expectations that I had hoped that they would have. I figured, you know, maybe nine wins, 10 wins. I don't think that happens now. I don't think playoffs happen, but you know what? If they can right the ship and at least steady it, because right now, you know, I've always said progress is never linear. Folks, the giants are not even going like this. They're going like this with their progress straight down the tubes. So I would like to think that Brian Dable, somewhere in his bag of tricks, has a process or some kind of magic potion or something to get this team back on track. Because, you know, I, I've spoken about the offense, and, and I, when I say this, I'm talking about the entire team now. This team lacks bite. It lacks moxie. It just, it's just flat. And it's just there's something different. I mean, last year it had the bite. It had the moxie. It was like, okay, it's us versus the world. You don't get that sense this year. And I don't know why that is. You know, people will say, oh, it's the offense dragging it down or the special teams dragging it down or it's defense dragging it down. I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that this team needs an attitude adjustment. And, um, you know, Brian Dable talks about sticking with the processes that he has in place that worked last year, but aren't necessarily working this year. So we'll see if he can tweak them or if he sticks with them, maybe they, they finally turn the light on and the steam starts to show progress. All right. Coming up next, Saquon and Andrew Thomas. Oh boy, do the giants miss them. I'm not telling you anything new, but I'm going to tell you why, especially they are missing these two guys and how, their absences from the lineup have influenced and affected the Giants offense that's coming up next. Hey, Giant fans, our partner at eBay Motors has teamed up with Locked On Fantasy football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. And folks, for this week, Vinny has an eye on quarterbacks, specifically Baker Mayfield, who, to the surprise of many, has been a borderline QB1 in fantasy while enjoying his most efficient season as a reality passer. Coming off a Bucks Week 5 bye, he should need to pass for high volume in a matchup with Jared Goff and the Red Hot Lions at home in Week 6. Mayfield has also been locked into a variety of receivers, and the Lions can struggle to cover slot receiver Chris Godwin and tight end Cade Otten. The Bucks also won't be able to run much on Detroit, leading to pleasing passing digits from Mayfield. And Giant fans with Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football helps you win your fantasy championship. Know that eBay Motors knows a good championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. 
And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay's guarantee fit is only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, and I appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you keep it here all week on the Locked on Giants podcast. Tomorrow, we have Crossover Thursday, Joe Marino of Locked On Bills and I will break down the Sunday night matchup between the Giants and the Bills. Um, yep, Giants on primetime again. Here we go again, right? Uh, and then we will continue to have um, uh, another show for you on Friday. Uh, I'm trying to book a guest for Friday specific to the offensive line woes. Um, so I'm working on that. I'm just waiting to hear back. And oh, by the way, Locked On Giants Live will be back this week. As you can tell, um, my voice is fully back. Um, Last week, I was unfortunately sick with a pretty bad head cold that wiped out my voice. Fortunately, I got all the pods in um, before that happened. But we're going to go back and we're going to do Locked on Giants Live. And I think, let me just see what day we said. I think we said Friday. So let me just double check here. Yep, Friday. So Friday at 7.30. It'll be 7.30 to 9.30. Train and Tana and Dog. We're going to end it at 9.30 because I think Dog has the Lakers at 9.30. So we'll get a good two hours in and we'll have a vent and, you know, therapy session, whatever you want to call it. So hope you will join us for Locked on Giants Lab. All right. In this segment, Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley. If there were two Giants on offense that they could ill afford to lose Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas. And, oh, how about this rotten luck? Just so happens they lose both guys, not just one, but both of them for multiple games. And, folks, I don't have to tell you because you've seen it with your own two eyes. Things changed with those two guys out of the lineup. We could talk about, you know, the offensive woes at left tackle where, Joshua Zudu gave it the old college try, but the consistency just not there, just not there. And, you know, now they're looking at potentially replacing him possibly with one of the practice squad guys that they might uh, have, you know, I don't think it'll be Justin Pugh. I think he's still working his way back, but um, as just before I was getting ready to record the show, um, the giants were to work out um, Lyle Collins was a guy I know a lot of you have been asking me about. Um, so I guess they're going to check out, um, you know, Layal Collins and see where he's at. Um, they also, there was a report that they were going to sign former Patriots lineman Yadni Kajusti, I think is how you say it. Um, also an offensive tackle. Now, they worked Kajusti out in the beginning of the year, and he was coming off of an injury. Um, that he suffered, I think, while he was with the Jets. So I think they're signing him to the practice squad pending the outcome of his physical. It was not official as of when I, um, you know, as I sat down to record this. So that's kind of where they're looking at right now with regards to offensive line, because they know they can't go forward with what they've got. So anyway, what are they missing without 
um, Saquon and Andrew Thomas. Well, I'm going to start with Andrew Thomas. Now, on Giants Country, Coach Gene Clemens did a great article, broke down all the ways Andrew Thomas contributes against certain, you know, like power to speed, speed rushers on stunts, all the little things that we haven't been seeing. So, you know, Thomas, he's a shutdown left tackle, a premier left tackle, probably one of the best left tackles in the game when healthy. That's been his, you know, issue though, staying healthy. Because if it's not the ankle, now it's the hamstring. So he's just had some rotten luck with, with, with the health department. But still, when he is on the field, the guy is just a brick wall, a human brick wall. He's smart. And, you know, very rarely do you see him have a bad game. I think last year he should have been a pro bowler and a first team all pro. And I think it cost him that one game that he had in Dallas, that it, was, it wasn't a typical Andrew Thomas-like game. That cost him, I suspect. No big deal. He, Andrew still cashed in, as he should. And he's a valuable piece of this offensive line, no question. All right, now let's talk Saquon. You know, I get people who say, oh, the Giants should move on from Saquon. The Giants don't need Saquon. Sorry, folks. I'm going to disagree. You know, yeah, you could say running backs are a dime a dozen, but Saquon Barkley type running backs are not a dime a dozen. So what are the Giants missing without Saquon Barkley? Well, number one, who amongst their current running backs is a legitimate home home run threat like a Saquon Barkley? I'll wait. Nobody? Yeah, I didn't think so, folks. He is somebody who can put the ball away and run to daylight in a snap. Basically, you're not seeing that with the other guys. And I'll give you some numbers, okay? Now, the Giants have 124 carries for 461 yards on the ground game, averaging 3.7 yards per carry, which is not very good, by the way. All right. You want that number to be upwards of four, ideally. But here's the thing with running with uh, the running game. Take away any quarterback scrambles from the mix. I mean, I know it gets lumped in, but you can't really plan for a scramble. You can plan for obviously the design runs and stuff like that. But a scramble when a play breaks done, you you really can't play a plan for that. I don't think. Okay, so according to Pro Football Focus. The Giants had 18 scrambles for 150 yards. All right, so now you adjust the numbers of the Giants running game. That's 108 carries, 311 yards, 2.879 yards per carry. Folks, that ain't good. All right, and remember, they only had Saquon for two of those games. right, and I think in the first one against Dallas, Saquon carried the ball, I want to say 11 times. So it really didn't happen, you know, they were because they were in catch up mode for the whole game, really didn't get a chance to to do his thing. So, folks, that's a big big problem. The running game, and we could talk about the run blocking, that's a whole nother topic obviously, but the running game without Saquon is not very good right now, folks. Just isn't. All right. We could talk about play action. Saquon Barkley's presence sets up for play action. So I did, uh, I I checked this out with uh, SIS on this one. This year, the Giants have run play action just 27.4% of the time. Play action, by the way, 
Daniel Jones has been successful more often than not when play action. So you would think you'd want to have that a little bit more in your arsenal if you can. Well, they haven't. 27.4% of the time. Last year, with a healthy Barkley in the lineup, they ran at 31.8%. All right. So, you know, that's something that they're missing. And then, folks, here's the other thing that I don't think we're talking about when it comes to Saquon Barkley being missing from this lineup. When Saquon's in this lineup, obviously, he gives the defense something to think about, as does Daniel Jones and his legs. So now you deduct Saquon from the equation, and guess what? Now the defense, if they so choose, can put a spy on Daniel Jones, thus neutralizing that potential threat, right? So you lose a guy that you obviously have to account for in Saquon Barkley because he could do so much damage to you if he deployed properly. And it just has a domino effect, a trickle-down effect on the rest of the offense. So, you know, Barkley, yeah, very much an important part of the offense. Now, I understand going back to the to you know the spring with the, the finances, why the Giants wanted to sign Daniel and you know save the franchise tag for Saquon. Because if they had done it in reverse, the Giants wouldn't have been able to sign anybody because it would have cost them more to franchise Daniel than it would have to franchise Saquon. Just an unfortunate way it goes, you know, it's unfortunate that running backs, um, their, their franchise tag is, is like one third of what a quarterback gets. And that being said, you know, a running back runs the ball, blocks, catches, plays special teams. They could do gadget plays. I mean, they could do everything. You know, Brandon Jacobs told me that he's like, we could do it all and yet we don't get paid. So, um, so I understand why the giants did it, but folks moving forward, and look, I don't know if Saquon's going to want to come back here. I don't know if the Giants are going to want him back. I don't know if they're going to play hardball with him, it, you know, after the season on a contract. I hope Saquon is back because, look, he is a very important part of this offense. I, right now, if I had to take a guess, I say he's not back. And I think that would be a huge mistake if it works out that way. I really do, given what he brings to the table. And yes, I know about the injury history. I know all about that stuff. You know, I know about, oh, you can't overpay a player, you know, $14 million a year, which, you know, in this case, I think that's what the Giants were looking to pay him on that last contract anyway, you know, prior to the to giving him the modified um, uh, franchise tag. But you just don't let players like that walk away and not get something for them trading you know look i'll do another show on you know why the giants should be buyers or sellers or whatnot you know maybe as we get a little closer to the trading deadline which is coming up actually but um right now i i hope there was a way for saquon to remain a long-term member of this team i don't know that that will happen but we'll see stranger things have happened right all right, coming up next, I have some stats. I did some research. I pulled up some stats, and they kind of tie into some of the things we've been discussing here on the Lockdown Giants podcast. I'll have those for you right after this. 
Hey, giant fans, you never know when the unexpected is going to pop up, causing you or a loved one to fall ill. But now you don't need to be caught unprepared when you have Jace Medical. This doctor-created, doctor-recommended services, Jace Case, provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form and, in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. You'll then get prescriptions and life-saving medication delivered straight to your door. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. And right now, you can get $20 off your Jace case by using promo code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And that promo code for $20 off is locked on. Hey, Giant fans, football season is in full swing and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Host Tanitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchup, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and more. Plus, get the in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country who know these teams better than anybody else. Find Locked On NFL Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. I'm Patricia Tenney, your host. And on this segment, this is actually something new that I want to try out. And I, I hope you'll give me some feedback and let me know if you like it or if you don't like it. You know, I'm, I'm looking to, to figure out, you know, new and interesting ways to, to jazz up the podcast. I want to devote a segment that I call, and try saying this five times fast. I know I couldn't do it. Pat's Stat Pack. Okay, so basically, you know, not just stats that you can get anywhere. You know, if you Google number of touchdowns or anything like that, number of big plays. I don't really want to try and, you know, keep it basic like that. I want to try and go a little bit deeper into, you know, the stats to give you an idea of what's going on with the Giants. So let me know what you think about the segment. Um, I've got three for you right now. And I'm going to start off with something that David Turner said on the program Monday when we were breaking down the Giants-Miami game. And David, um, he said this before, but he said it again. He said if he were the Giants and he were making changes to the offense, one of the things he would do is he would make 12 personnel their base package. Now, um, for those of you who are new to you know this type of terminology, and, I do, and there are folks out there who aren't as familiar with it, so just real quick, 12 personnel means one running back, two tight ends, all right? So when you when you hear 12 personnel, 11 personnel, 22 personnel, um, the only, it, what that refers to, the first number refers to the number of running backs on the field, the second number, the number of tight ends. And then you, you know, whatever's left over is the number of receivers usually on the field. So 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. So the benefit to that, running 12 personnel versus 11 personnel is that now you give the defense something extra to think about. So if you've got Darren Waller and Daniel Bellinger on the field, you know, okay, is Daniel Bellinger going to stay in the block? 
or are you going to send them out on a route? Whereas if you have three receivers on the field, they're going to run out and and, and have a route. So um, it, there's a little bit more guesswork, I guess, involved with 12 personnel. Plus, you're also providing some help to your offensive line, which, as we all know, is struggling. So I went back and I looked at the success rate. First of all, I looked at the <clears throat> excuse me the number of times the Giants have used 11 personnel this year versus 12 personnel. Then I looked at the success rate, right? So for 11 personnel, the Giants have used it on 68% of their offensive plays, but only have a success rate. And a success rate is defined as a completion or, you know, a first down. If, if running the ball, they only have success 34% of the time when running 11 personnel. With 12 personnel, they ran it thus far only 28% of their offensive snaps. But they have a success rate of 42%. All right. Again, with 11 personnel, the success rate was 34%. With 12 personnel, it's 42 I could see why David Turner would recommend the Giants go to 12 personnel. I mean, really, I think a lot of teams are starting to go that way anyway. Because it just gives the defense another thing to think about. So I thought that was a really interesting stat that I that I wanted to share with you guys. All right. Another stat I looked at, offensively speaking, was pre-snap motion. And what was the success rate? Now, the Giants, you know, the benefit for pre-snap motion is it helps the quarterback kind of get a feel for what the defense might be looking to do. Can it benefit, um, you know, a one-read quarterback like Daniel Jones? It might. It's possible. So, again, how many times have the Giants done it, and what was the success rate? According to SIS, the Giants have, have executed pre-snap motion 42% of the time, 69 pass plays, 36 run plays. They have an overall success rate of 40% on those plays. So, yeah, there's probably something to running pre-snap motion. So you would you would wonder why maybe they don't run it a little bit more. Might be a question I, I, I asked this week, one of the coaches, if I can get it in. So, all right. One more stat I want to give you now. This is from the defensive side of the ball. I took a look at the blitzing success rate versus a four-man rush success rate versus a three-man rush success rate. All right, so the Giants, as we know, under Wink Martindale, they are a blitz-happy team. They have blitzed 63 times this year, which is the second, second most in the league. That's a 51%. On, so 51% of the times they're blitzing. Their success rate, 49%. And the success rate is defined as getting the quarterback off the mark. Okay. Now, three and four man uh, rush. The benefit of having three and four man rush is that you can put more in coverage. All right. So when you blitz, you're, you're bringing in an, a guy basically, usually from like the defensive secondary or a linebacker or whatever. You, you're taking away a potential coverage guy, which against some of these speedsters, you really don't want to be doing if you don't have to. And interestingly, the Giants didn't blitz as much 
against Miami because of the track stars they have on that team. But I, I'm, I digress. So with a three-man pass rush, the Giants have only rushed three 6% of the time. With a 57% success rate, that's not bad if you consider it's three versus five. Okay? With a four-man pass rush, they have done that 44% of the time with a 44% success rate. And then I, of course, mentioned blitzing, in which they've done so 51% of the time. They only have a 49% success rate. So really not that big of a of a difference between blitzing versus a four-man rush. So why do I bring this up? Well, the defensive secondary is young. It's still cutting its teeth. Um, you know, th- there's some doubt as to whether or not they have everything they need at this point to run the type of defense that Wink Martindale wants to run, especially as these guys are cutting their teeth, like I said. So who knows? Maybe four-man rushes is the way to go. Now, do the Giants have the personnel to do it? You know, Aziz Ojolari is hurt again. I don't know if he plays this week. He, You know, he's got the ankle injury. They have Kayvon Thibodeau. He could get it done, obviously. Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, they can certainly, you know, get it done. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is why all offseason long I kept begging as much as as heavily as I was begging for a center. I think it was also begging for another pass rusher. And that pass rusher never came. It never came. So, I mean, if we were to sit down right now and list the priorities for this team in the offseason, pass rusher is going to be on there. Especially, you know, seeing how Aziz Ojolari can't stay on the field. Especially considering that Leonard Williams might not be on this team next year. They got to boost up the pass rushers. I don't care if they play outside linebacker, inside linebacker. And oh, by the way, why haven't we seen more of Isaiah Simmons as a pass rusher? Little bit more last week, but you know, just not enough. And it could be that he's still learning the defense. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know. But so pass rusher, though, that's the one area. If if you were to ask me, you know, what would be amongst the top needs for this team besides offensive line? Pass rusher. Definitely it, in my opinion. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for me on today's episode of the Lockdown Giants podcast. Again, I appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the Pats stat pack. If you could say that five times fast, then good on you. I know I can't. Um, anyway, uh, we will be back tomorrow with Crossover Thursday. Myself and Joe Marino and Lockdown Bills will break down the Giants build game for you. We'll have another show for you on Friday and then we'll send you into the weekend. Hopefully it'll be a good weekend because couldn't we all use a good football weekend for a change? I know I could, and I'm sure you can as well. So thanks for tuning in giant fans. I will see you tomorrow on the crossover show.